For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, and that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the feet, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with great honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body. But the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts. We do not live by bread alone, but, but by, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The ministry of Jesus is a bodily ministry. Healthy bodies and sick bodies, old bodies and young bodies, clean bodies and dirty bodies, weak bodies and strong bodies, sexual bodies, gendered bodies, tired bodies, active bodies, individual bodies, and corporate bodies. The ministry of Jesus is a bodily ministry. It's a ministry that can be touched and felt. It's a ministry that can be washed in and soaked up. It's a ministry that can be seen and heard. It's a ministry that can be eaten and drunk. The bodily ministry of Jesus happens in time and space, caring for other bodies so that all may be well. This truth was lost on the members of the Corinthian church 
many of whom did not have a healthy relationship with their bodies. As with present-day discussions on body image, they felt the pressure of some unattainable ideal. Only instead of being a physical ideal, it was more like an anti-physical ideal. Many Corinthians saw their bodies as prisons that needed to be escaped. Some lived as if the gospel freed them to rise above the social and moral responsibilities of physical existence. They gave themselves over to their passions, doing whatever felt good and chasing after that which promised the most pleasurable reward. Some lived as if physical pleasure was evil and an ever-present danger to the soul. They believed that the gospel set them free to enjoy the transcendent spiritual pleasures of the next life. Not surprisingly, their unhealthy relationship with their bodies carried over into their gatherings as the collective body of Christ. Whenever they came together to celebrate the Lord's Supper, the wealthy would arrive first, eating and drinking excessively. When the poor got off work, they too would come to the feast. Only by the time they arrived, they would be left with the pickings on the bones, the half-eaten room-temperature casseroles, and the dregs at the bottom of the wine bottles. For Paul, this signified a failure to discern the body of Christ among them in one of the principal rituals through which the risen Christ is present to us. Even worse, their obsession with the spirit life led them to covet relatively useless spiritual gifts like speaking in tongues while giving rise to petty jealousies among those who had less flashy gifts. Just as the suffering of one member affects the entire body, the unhealthy body image of one member affects the whole body. The body of Christ in Corinth was sick. An unhealthy body image gives rise to many abuses, which eventually take a toll on the whole body. Eating disorders affect our energy levels and leave us without the nutrients that we need to properly rebuild our tissues. Physical neglect can make the body more vulnerable to injury and succumb more readily to disease. Constantly stressing the body to its limits without intentional time for rest has a profoundly negative impact on our psychological and emotional well-being. When we are unwell, we are unable to care for those who depend on us. The wellness of individual members of the body affects the wellness of the whole corporate body. The body of Christ is not the only corporate body which you and I belong to. And it is not the only body which can become sick. In marriage, spouses become one flesh 
one corporate body to which we often add children and animals. Schools are corporate bodies with many members gathered for the opening of impressionable minds. We receive our daily bread through the bodies which employ us and which supply others with their daily bread. Legislative, judicial, and executive bodies safeguard the common good and ensure the smooth functioning of society. When we as individual members of these bodies forget our interdependence, the body weakens and is more susceptible to disease. When we becomes me, the body becomes sick. To forget the purpose of our bodies, to work against them, to act selfishly and undermine the communion of the body's many members is to sin against the body itself, which if unaddressed will eventually lead to death. The Corinthians' bias against the physical caused them to miss the gospel's affirmation of bodily existence. Participation in the body of Christ was not a shameful and disgusting thing, but an occasion for great joy. Bodily existence is a holy gift from God, and God arranges the members of the body for the well-being of all. This is what Paul teaches when he says, The members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, so that there may be no dissension in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. The body is not an enemy to be destroyed, and it's not a prison to be escaped. It is a holy instrument of God's love and care. For a bodily world. God took on our flesh in Christ to overcome all of the distinctions that we make and the divisions that we create. Flesh that was estranged and dying received new life, being made to drink, as Paul said, from one spirit whom we have through Christ. Christ has become both our greatest shame and our highest honor so that no one may boast in their fortune. For no shame is greater than his cross, and no honor higher than his embodiment in our flesh. We are clothed with both, that we may exercise the same care for one another in his body, and among the various bodies that we participate in. The bodily ministry of Christ brings health and well-being, to the many bodies of the world. The fleshy body of Christ animated by the Holy Spirit is still ministering in the world today. For that is what we are, the body of Christ, and individually members of it. Whatever our collective works of mercy are, there 
Christ will be found. Whatever sins that we commit, Christ takes them to himself, fully identifying with them in his body. If one member suffers, Paul says, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Our brokenness is Christ's brokenness, and our suffering, his suffering. Likewise, Christ's honor is our honor, and his righteousness is our righteousness. Through him, God so completely identifies with us that all division is overcome so that we may be one with Christ as he is one with our Father in heaven. What an incredible honor to live so intimately with God. What a sacred privilege to care for the very body of our Lord, even as we care for one another. There can be no greater act of praise than a life that honors Christ in the body of another. There can be no greater act of worship than the life which shows unconditional love for the Christ that we meet in each other. Such a healthy body image helps us see the restored image of God in our neighbor. Me is transformed into we, with which Christ participates in, so that which was broken through sin may be made sound and whole. The bodily ministry of Jesus Christ is an ongoing reality in our world. Through this, God addresses our unhealthy body images and restores our respect for the sacredness of each and every member. Our bodies, individual and corporate, are gifts to be tended with great care. Far from the disposable vessels of immortal souls, our bodies and spirits are so inseparably joined that God will raise up both together on the last day, even as the Spirit has already raised the body of Christ. We are one body, and through it, we are one with God.